So this evening, I am going to be joined by Mr. Timmy Gatlin, who was the founding member of the R&B group Guy. Got a copy of, oops, of this CD here. It's, they came out with the Smash It Groove Me, which changed the music game. And, um, but just before the record really came out and blew up, um, he departed the group and um, most of us didn't understand why. And he has gone on to be a successful recording artist and a producer. So we're going to find out, hear his story and bring him in right now. Casino. <laughs> okay. Well, good evening. It's uh, really great. Uh, it's a privilege and an honor to, to finally get to, to speak to you and have you on our show. Um, hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very good, thank you. I'm doing very good. Um, you know, it's it's one of those mysteries, like you know, the Bermuda Triangle, Area 51, for the um, New Jack Swing fans, and and it's one of the things that you guys, your album did, was create a genre of fans. So you've got Elvis fans, you've got Michael fans, you've got New Jack <laughs> Swing fans, and very loyal fans, you know, they just stick to the, the, the genre of the music. They, we stick to, we, we know all the writers and producers and, and everything. Um, but, you know, it was, you know, I was, I can remember getting, getting my album and seeing the you <laughs> here. But when the video came out, I was like, okay. And, and I was living, I was going to, you know, I was living uh, in the UK at the time. We had Black Beat to write on, but we didn't get right. all the gist. So, and you've been quiet for a long time, so most of us didn't get to hear your story. So it's it's almost a privilege for us to be able to. Now, where are we? Where 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 are you calling from? Overseas, I'm, I'm in right? England. Oh, you in England? Yeah, okay. I'm in England. Oh, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I'm in England. So, um, but even across from England, um, I went to you know I went to college in the US. Even across the UK, uh -huh. loads of people have been really curious about the group and stuff but we'll get to there and we've got loads of questions from people from yeah. Japan, South Korea, from Nigerian stuff who ask questions about they wanted to fight. Wow. Yeah but I wanted to really go to the very beginning because must be the music is like how did you get into the music I mean how did you did you have did, you know where did you learn how to, to write produce I mean even love the music well, it was it was basically it was a gift from God. Uh, we started out very young. Uh, Teddy and I lived five blocks from each other, you know, and our three avenues over. So in New York, I was soon. It was just a passion. It was just a passion. It was something that we were self-taught. So oh. uh, you know, observing other musicians and just being excited about you know different bands that was coming out at, at the time. We were so young and so little. Uh, people really didn't take us serious at first because we were so young. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then we just taught ourselves how to read music. It was it was amazing. We knew that there was a vast and broad education as far as learning music and learning, you know, the notes and learning different chord structures. Wow. And so we took it very very serious, but uh. It was self-taught. So why music? I mean, because a lot of us who, who don't live in the U.S. would think, why wow, you guys have basketball, baseball, hockey, you've got all this stuff. <laughs> why, why is particularly music? I mean, it's, um, you know. 
Well, we did play all that stuff, but we played in, you know, Little League, you know, baseball, Little League basketball. It's just that when we were coming up, growing up in the uh, late 70s, and it was just, it was there. Our parents played music in the house. Okay. You go outside, you listen to music, you had DJs playing in the park, so music was always, a you know, a constant yeah. in our lives, in our neighborhoods. And did, did you ever think, well, could we could make this happen or was it just for fun at the time when you were playing? We were always serious. Okay. <laughs> we, were, we were serious about everything we did. It, 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 it's funny because there are so many other members that came, it wasn't just us. You know, there's so many other members that came along with us that were older okay. and uh, some were younger, <clears throat> but I think the nucleus of the group, the nucleus of the band, myself, Teddy, and Clarell, we took it, and, and, and a friend of ours named George Cedric, we call him Swire, but he died of leukemia. Oh, and, and and then uh, we had a drummer, Pee Wee, uh, a very good looking guy. He got killed. Wow. So even though we grew up in that nucleus, it was also, it was in the hood, so it was dangerous. You stepped outside of the structure or you was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Wow. With, with no protection, you still could get it, you know? You still could get into deep trouble. So, and when you guys were coming up, what was, because we, we all hear about New York, about hip hop really being really big there, but for, for you guys as a young group, who were you looking to and thinking, we could be like them if we worked harder? Well, the Gap Band, wow. Wow. Earth, Wind & Fire, the Jacksons, of course, uh, watching Soul Train and American Bandstand and the Midnight Special, which came on in the U.S. at 12 o'clock midnight. We got to see bands because we couldn't even afford concerts and stuff. We were too young to even think about going to concerts. Yeah. But watching all that, things that was acts that we had access to, we always watched and studied. Wow. And so the, we, we know, I mean, as I said, New Jack fans would know about Kids at Work. Now, how did that come about? And that's <laughs> one of the questions people ask about how did that Kids at Work, the name, and, and the, uh, let's just put stuff together. Well, we didn't come up with the name. We okay. Didn't up, we didn't come up with the, uh, 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 the name, the concept, or anything. Uh, Teddy and I were kids together, so we always was in bands together oh. coming up. So Teddy also used to play with this older band in basically, you know, young, uh, 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 older clubs, yeah. speakeasies. And uh, so in those clubs, you know, you had uh, um, basically administrators, you had A&R people, you had drug sellers, everybody was mingling together. Well, he met Gene Griffin first. And Gene Griffin at the time had Sounds of New York Records, oh. which the group in deep, in deep was on. Last night at DJ Saved My Life. Okay, yeah, I know. And so he was looking, right, right. He was looking for a, a young kitty group, even though we wasn't kids at the time. I think we were like, by that time, we was like 15, 16. I was turning, I was 16 turning 17, and Chlorel was 
uh, 18. So he was looking for this group and Teddy called me and asked me to come down to 59th in Columbus Circle because he think he has, he got a deal for us. <laughs> well, when we went down there, when we went down there, we went to 59th Street and it was Gene Griffin's office. And uh, he immediately saw us, looked at us up and down, asked us to sing a little bit. We did that. And immediately he said, okay, I'm gonna sign you guys. But we didn't know anything about publishing or anything. We were just happy to finally get a, a record deal. But without your parents, without lawyers, did you get your parents? No, none of that, none of that, none of Because our parents were different. Our parents was like, at that particular time, our, well, Teddy Riley's mother did. Mrs. Riley was very supportive and whatever. My mother was different. It was like, she was a beautiful mom, but she was like, okay, that's a far-fetched dream. <laughs> Get a job. Get a summer job. And I was so was like, it wasn't regular job. Get a summer job. Okay. So, you know, they didn't believe it until they actually saw it. And there's so many levels to this business. Like you can still have a record deal and, and still be on the cover of a record and still don't own or have no money. So it was that situation. Well, now you jumped a little bit. What the singing parts? How did you? Because it's one thing you learned about the playing the music, but what about the singing? Did you go for vocal training, or what? What did you do? What well, with yeah, with Gene Griffin we did. Oh, before even Gene though Griffin, we were, yeah, even though we naturally had that raw talent, but Gene gave us, you know, sent us the vocal coaches. We had vocal teachers. We didn't need nobody to tell us how to dance and play okay. because. Immediately, Teddy, even at a, such a young age, it was automatic. Teddy basically played keyboards and constructed. I was made to play bass and sing and dance, and Clarell was the lead singer. So even then, it was already, you know, suggested what each of our positions was. And so I was left to have the right all of the lyrics wow. because I just did that anyway. And uh, Teddy was a ranger, keyboard player, co-producer, and Clarell was co-producer and singer, lead singer. Okay, so you've just pretty much said you, you were writing lyrics. Now, how does that come about? Did you go to school for that? Because we can't well, all write songs. How did you learn that? I just uh, loving, uh, you know, even though I came from the rough area, you know, when I would have a long time, I would read books like uh, Edgar, Allan, Edgar Allan Poe. I would read books like The uh, Lansbury. I would read books like, you know, just, po I love poetry. I love words that can play off each other. I've always done that. So it, it came real easy to me to write. I, I, it's a gift. It just was easy for me to just write real quick and from my heart. I just, you know, connected to, okay, if I feel this way, whatever I'm feeling, yeah, I was able to relate it on paper. So, I mean, I guess that compliments, because you, you talk about Teddy being really gifted with the keyboards and, and arrangements. Did the, right. did the songs, the lyrics come first or did you, how did you guys collaborate when you were doing the Kids at Work album? Well, kids at work, lyrics came first. Okay. Because I literally had three to four weeks to write it. 
an album. Yeah, we yeah, it it was crazy. It was like young kids, but the pressure was put on us immediately. So, yeah, so because we were trying to get Gene at the time, not we, but Gene at the time with his label was getting a distribution deal through Sony. Okay. And so Sony, they wanted to be ready when they Gene wanted us to be ready when whatever major label came, he wanted us to be ready and already have the songs and stuff in the can. Wow. So we immediately went at it. So we had like three to four weeks to really write the song. And in Kids at Work case, lyrics came first. Teddy heard it. Teddy uh, put the uh, music to it. Put the bass. I put the bass lines on songs because I wrote a lot of lyrics by playing my bass okay. at the time because I couldn't play keyboards then. Okay. So and then. We rehearsed, translated it to Clorel. Clorel picked it up, and the song was made. Wow! And so, you guys, the studio. What about the studio? I mean, as young kids, had you been in studios? Did you know how to do the recording? That that whole process. No. Well, we didn't produce, executive produce, or produce the first Kids at Work record over Gilchrist from an older group that Gene had. We was whoa, man, we was pissed. We was because we wanted to. We thought we, we were going to produce ourselves and play, but that wasn't the case. But did you guys you know, have the ability to do that? Though, did you know how to work the studios and and do that production side at that stage? You know, Teddy had a, a little bit of that because we was going in the new phase then. We was going in a new era then, but we collectively really didn't know. We were young. We really didn't know. We thought we did, but we learned a lot from Albu Gilchrist, even though we were upset that we didn't have a bigger part in the pro uh, producing. Yeah. We learned a lot from how, you know, the 24 track, the 48 track board, how to, you know, the knobs, the EQ, all of that work. So, and that laid the foundation, did you, I mean, that experience, I know that the album didn't do as well as you expected and stuff. What What was the... It when didn't do well happened? at all. <laughs> well, new edition out of that time. Yeah, well, new edition. Matter of fact, locally we were popular. Locally, okay. Because we went through, we performed in Roxbury, Boston. Wow. And Bobby Brown and Mike, they were little. They came backstage. Oh, you must. Not uh, that young. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And we headlined. We sold it out. And I mean, wow. We had, and that was the experience we had because we had girls. We couldn't even get in. We was in a limousine. We couldn't even. <laughs> Get into the place because they was rocking the car. They wouldn't wow. let us out the car. They was screaming because locally, on the East Coast, we were very popular. Even though we had a half of a hit, which was singing "Hey Yeah," but these kids knew all of the songs. I guess because they were so used to New Edition, they uh -huh. were waiting for something else for someone to have competition. Yeah, and matter of fact, Bobby and Mike came backstage and said, wow, because they never seen, they thought they had it locked down, but yeah. we played live. Wow. So we played instruments and dancing and singing legitimately. Wow. Even though we didn't hit, Yeah. We, we had that on lock. What do you think, looking back, and especially now with your career, what do you think what was wrong with why you didn't emulate the success of New Edition at that stage when you had all the talent? Well, first of all, Gene Griffin became incarcerated. <laughs> he, went, he went away. 
Okay. So, right in the right in the, the right at the third single because Sony really believed in us. Wow. And they wanted to put the record out, but it was almost like a high profile production deal. Everything was through Sounds of New York Records. So once that didn't happen, yeah. it was like we was left in limbo. We didn't know what to do. And the record company wasn't talking to little kids yeah. or young teenagers. That wasn't happening. Yeah. So it was a wrap. You know, we still did try, at least tried to do a couple of shows on our own and stuff, but we didn't have the experience as a manager and stuff back then at all. Yeah. We didn't know the business. Not, I've heard Teddy said that that experience, that's it. R&B doesn't work for me. I'm going to hip hop. What was it for you, like when you when this sort of when all that ended? How did you take it? I took it as I didn't know how to take it at first because we were so young and, and and you get over the notion of being angry and upset and all these emotions. Yeah. But then I got serious. I stuck to R and B. It's like that's all I knew as far as lyrics. You know, Teddy still did R&B, but he went over to really doing just the music and, and the beat. And so we grew in that way, separately and together, because even after Kids at Work, Teddy and I still became, formed a new group, new ideas, and after that came God, you know, so. Okay, so with new ideas, did was it just the two of you, or? Yeah, okay. yes, we just brothers. Yeah. And um, so, when you guys formed formed that, were you still were you still performing, or is it just like let's just get records together, let's just and and wait for another deal? No, both. I mean, we were so used to coming from. We came from like a eight, nine, twelve group band. <laughs> we went from that to to because not because we wanted to, it's because we had to, because the older guys would start to go off and. In, in other things in other endeavors so we were left to say okay we're serious about this what are we gonna do so I met Corel so we formed that group which we had, was given the name kids at work yeah after that when Corel decided okay I'm not gonna cut my hair I'm gonna do this and whatever and went against what we wanted to do as a group then Teddy and I just said okay listen no more members, just let's focus on you and me. So we still traveled, we still went to Chicago, we recorded, wow. we still came back and did shows, like at the Red Parrot and, and, and the Copacabana. So we still was basically trying to do something, even though it didn't grow into anything, Yeah, we still tried to do something. And you were the lead singer at that point then? And, and, and knew I, it was a short-lived thing, but you knew I did. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because Teddy wasn't a dope singer, so it was left up to me to, you know, write and sing. Yeah, and then you know we, we've we've heard the story about how you're working at a, a shoe company and you met met Aaron. What was it about? Were you were you just colleagues or did you? How was? How did yeah, that we happen? were colleagues. We was working side by side in lady shoes, and uh, we were both young, so we became fast friends, and uh. You know, just talking, just going to work every day, co-worker, whatever. So, but we was there two to three months. Okay. And he always used to bug me because he recognized me as being in kids at work. Oh. Because locally, yeah. again, locally, we were 
at some point in time we was real hot because we had a radio we had a song called singing a yeah that played on the radio on wbls and kids wow. and uh so one he used to bug me all the time i can sing i can sing but you heard that so much <laughs> that you were just like what the whatever so one day he we was in the stock room getting lady shoes laughing and joking and Aaron used to have this bad impediment, speaking, speech impediment, where he stuttered. And he said, I can sing, I'm telling you, I'm a singer, I'm a singer. So I said, okay, mother, just sing. Sing now, he said, right? I said, you've been bugging me forever, sing. <laughs> and as soon as he opened his mouth and sung, it was a rap. It was like, oh, all right, it's a rap. And we quit that next day. What? Just because you yeah, didn't we sing? Quit. We, which I went straight on faith. I made sure Aaron had food, clothes. He was coming over to my home every morning. We were writing, we were working, we would go to clubs, we'd go to anywhere we had, whatever we had to do, we did. Because when he sung for me, I knew it was like a revelation. I was like, wow, this wow. is it. Wow. And then, so then you sensed, what was the, what was the plan? Because you read different stories on Wikipedia and stuff as to how it worked out. I mean, I think in one story I heard that you, you went to Teddy to say, can you come and produce? And Aaron says, no, you need to bring him in. But what was the real story? No, man, hell. <laughs> First of all, Aaron, at that time, I was the unofficial leader because it was, when Aaron sung for me, Aaron was coming over to my home every morning, eat from breakfast to late, 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 late night. Sometimes Aaron would sleep. I had a studio, but the way the studio was set up, it looked it was like a giant living room. Okay. And Aaron would sleep on the couch, and we would go right back at it the next morning. So it wasn't no, 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 not at all. So what happened was I called Teddy because Teddy and I was still thick as thieves. I could call. He was even though he was working at the time on Heavy D and Cool Mo D and Keith, Keith Sweat. I still could call call Teddy at any given time and mm -hmm. Teddy would pick up because we had that attachment. Yeah. So I called Teddy and asked him, you know, I I had I told him I had this new idea because God gave me a revelation. He gave me the name, he gave me the group, he gave me the the style, the concept, everything. It was like it was like a vision. Wow. And so I called Teddy and said, I didn't want Teddy to be in a group. I didn't ask him to be in a group. I just said, yo, I need you to help me produce. Okay, okay. This new, this new group I, I'm trying to do. And I got this lead singer that, man, I'm telling you, he sounded exactly like Charlie Wilson. Exactly. And he said, word? I said, yeah, man, this dude is crazy. So Teddy said, all right, listen, I'm working on, I believe it was Kumo D. I thought it was Keith, but no, Keith would have came out because all of us was tight-knit. If it was Keith's session, Keith would have came out. That's how close we were. Mm -hmm. So it had to be Cool Mo D. So we went down to the studio, and Teddy took us into the vocal and the piano room and said, all right, man, let me hear what y'all got. Let me see what you got, Timmy. I know you can write, but let me hear what y'all got. <laughs> so I got on the piano. By then, I learned how to play a few chords. And I played a few chords and played him the song. And Aaron sung. When Aaron sung, you could see Teddy's eyes light up. <laughs> and then when Aaron got on the piano oh, and played and we sung, 
Then Teddy said, yo, okay, yo, I'm down. But I don't only want to help you. I want to be a part of the group. So for me, that was like, oh, sh okay, no problem. Because Teddy had access to the big recording studios. Okay. So we was like, okay, no problem. And we went from there. So what was the first things you guys wrote then? What was the first thing that you wrote? Well, myself and Aaron had already had Peace of My Love. When we went to Teddy. We already had Peace of My Love, Don't Clap Your Hands, Just Dance and Goodbye Love. Oh. So we already had the, those songs was written. Oh, Teddy put his expertise on it and his production and arrangement on it. But the song was already written and it was already arranged. After that, though, came I Like, Groove Me. Okay, that was, okay. so we've got loads of people have been asking about each of the songs. So, um, <laughs> but, so we, we, yeah, if we start, I'm just, I've got the album, so I'm going to start with the first one with Groove Me. Um, how did that, did, 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 who, did, the, did the rhythm come first or did the song, the, the, the lyrics? No, 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 no. We have been in the studio all night. I mean, at Teddy's mother's apartment in the projects. Mrs. Riley allowed us to use that whole living room, wow. God bless her, to record and stuff. And most parents didn't do that. Yeah. So we had been recording songs and whatever. So I was home. I was on the 120th morning side doing what I do. And Teddy called me up and said, and I heard music playing in the background. And he said, Tim, Timmy, you got to come over here right now, man. You got to hear this song. And I heard a bunch of kids in the lip in the living room. I was like, Tim, y'all having a party? <laughs> He's like, no, nah, man, it's this new track I got. It's this new track. So he said, Tim, come over now. So I, that's how close we were. We literally five blocks away. Yeah. And two avenues over. So I went over there. And when I walked, in the project just like it was like a party <laughs> that's when you heard all of yeah all of that came from the kids and uh teddy played that they just had the music that's it just the track but the track was so dope so funky i was like damn i said give me a pad and a pen right away i was asking him like give me a pad and a pen and that song was written literally in 20 30 minutes okay <laughs> so so you just heard the music and you're writing when I get Yeah, once I heard the track, I, I always do this. I close my eyes, I say a prayer. Once I heard the track, it was like then the ink pen took on a life of its own. Wow. Whatever the whatever that instrument and music said to me and wherever it led me, that's what I wrote about. And, and so you, as you wrote it, were you singing it, or was Aaron around to to, to join in? Um, Aaron was there. Aaron, yeah. Aaron was there, and we will feed we will feed off each other. But my specific role in the group was the lyricist. Okay. So once I wrote it down, and everybody heads was nodding because I would make Teddy. <laughs> people would get upset because I would make Teddy stop, play it again, stop, okay, play you. it again, because I'm writing. Yeah. So stop, play it again. But in 20, 30 minutes, the song was written, Jen. Uh, Aaron was already there, and Aaron is a quick. I mean, Aaron is so quick. It's like we, it was like God sent because we were feed off each other. Wow. And I showed Aaron the lyrics once. He kept singing it down, kept singing it down, went into the bathroom, put the towel under the door. The monk, Teddy already had the microphone and the, 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 the uh, 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 mic buffer already set up, and we started recording it. What? Just that night? 
Just that night, same night. My same goodness. Night. But, well, okay, okay. Um, Teddy's Jam, were you involved with that one? Yes, the bass line. Okay. Yeah, the bass line, because Teddy, Aaron and I, well, not even I, because I, I, I knew I wasn't the lead singer, but I was a better singer than Teddy. Okay. <laughs> my, I also, my job was to, okay, we can't compete against Aaron, but we <laughs> in the group. So all of us have to have different styles. Yeah. So I knew that immediately. I knew that's the direction I wanted the group to go. So Teddy needed an instrumental, and I convinced Teddy, Teddy did not want to sing. Teddy did not want to get on the microphone. That's how insecure he was about his vocal. Yeah. But what I told what I told Teddy, listen to Cameo, listen to Larry Blackman, listen to Roger Trotman, mm. Zach, listen. We make this new. Take the old and make it new. That was our whole concept. Take the old and make it new. Wow. And so Teddy did that with Spend the Night, and Teddy had the instrumental. Oh, oh no, look, 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 no, we just want to start with that. We'll go down because, yeah. <laughs> now, but it's interesting you've cleared that up because in the report you get, they, it, it's, it says that Aaron convinced Teddy that you need a jam. No. Yeah, it's, Hell no. Aaron was worrying about Aaron. <laughs> it was my concept. Yeah. It was my concept. Even if they was on a, on this Zoom, I would tell them. It was my concept. Yeah. It was my vision. God gave it to me. Yeah. Jesus gave it to me. It was my style. That's how I dress. It was my songs, yeah. everything. But we collectively came together to make God. Yeah. But I, even when I came came to them and said, this is the name of the group, they laughed because back then it was like, how can a group be called one guy? Okay. How can they laugh? From I got laughs from everybody, even people that was close to me. When I told them, yo, the name of the group is God. They were like, how can a group be called one person <laughs> back then? And yeah. that's how it was. Wow. How can a group be called <laughs> one person? Yeah, and so that's how that happened. What about Don't Clap? Aaron didn't, conv Aaron, di Aaron didn't convince, excuse me, Aaron didn't convince Teddy to sing. No, that never was like that. Aaron yeah. supported Teddy and said, yo, you can do it. Almost like a cheerleader. Once I told Teddy, yeah. Aaron would say, "Yeah, man, you could do it. Just believe, believe." One thing Aaron is good at is coaching. He's wow. a great coach. But I told Teddy, "Yo, you have to. It's not just going to be the Aaron show. We'll group." Yeah. So we had to convince. Now Aaron did go in the booth with Teddy and stand outside the booth and guided Teddy on every note. Because yeah. when Teddy sung, when Teddy sung "Spend the Night." Literally, it was line by line, almost like when you seen the movie uh, Ice Cube and, and DOC, yeah, yeah, helping helping Easy E, yeah, 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 line yeah. by line. Even though Easy E wasn't a rapper, yeah, but yeah. he had that tone, so it was like line by line. That's how Teddy was. Wow. Teddy didn't come out singing. Now, once Teddy got confidence, it's just like Easy E. He wanted to sing everything. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> but that wasn't Teddy. That wasn't Teddy position at okay. no. No, it's good that you cleared it up because I said when you're trying to get information, it's Wikipedia and, and, and internet would have all this stuff. So it was good that you cleared it up. Don't clap, just dance. Uh, don't clap, just dance. What about, because you know the, the worst thing about the album is that it doesn't give any credits. 
it doesn't tell us who did what. Oh, it was a reason for that. Yeah, I know. Because they tried to get my name off the record. They tried to get my picture off. They tried to do a lot of things that, at the time, Gerald Bugsby and Lil Silas, who ran MCA Records, like, no. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's not happening. Don't clap. And Teddy, you still hear these stories. Even though I love these guys, you still hear these different narratives. Yeah. No, that's why I said, yeah. You still hear yeah, I and mean, that's, like, why yo, said, that's why I said, that's why I, the only reason, the, excuse me, yeah, the only reason I got on social media is because my family, close friends and stuff said, you got to say something, Tim, you've been quiet too long, and these people still basically lying, telling stories like they have it, amnesia. No, yeah. uh-uh, that's the reason why I said, you know, let me at least try to clarify this. Let me clear some things up. Yeah. As I said, the New Jack Swing fans, we're, we're, you know, we, we, we're searching for information and it's good that we're getting, you know, like you, 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 the gospel, we get four different accounts and it's good you get a holistic idea of what happened. And so certain things get missed out in Matthew that you see in Luke, you see in, in John. So it's good that we're, we're getting the full picture because we know and know yeah, about I don't want to group. I don't no, 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 no. But it's like, group to the disciples of the Bible. <laughs> You're right in the sense that when you hear one person tell their story, and even Aaron saying he put, at some point, Aaron said he put the group together, and him and his brother, then Teddy said, he met the Hall brothers. Then Teddy said, I, I don't know, it's so many that I left the group, I got mad because I was singing, you can call me crazy, so I can't, Gene bought me out the vocal booth, Yeah. and they never seen me ever since. I'm like, what the, what? <laughs> yeah. Back yeah. then, back then if the album wasn't finished, you, you didn't even take photos. Wow. It's like, that's how it was back then. You didn't take photos and stuff before the record. They yeah. have, the record companies had to have that in the can before they give you another budget. Okay, go do your photos. Yeah. Okay, go to your videos. Yeah. You know, it ain't the other way around. So all of that was lies. Yeah. All of it. Yeah, I mean, as, as I said, that's one of the things that we've been searching for because we haven't really heard your side and which, which is really powerful. Um, don't clap, just dance. Did, well, Teddy wasn't a big club goer, but Aaron and I used to frequent the clubs all the time. Bentley's, Red Parrot, Palladium. We was out. We was going out because not just to have fun and party, but we was going out to research what everybody, because even though we were young and we had certain instincts and picked up on certain things that we was doing at the time, we still wanted to know what made everybody dance, what made everybody go, Oh, oh, you know, we wanted that attention. So we went out, did research, party, came back, wrote. So don't clap your hands, just dance came from that. Like I wrote that literally probably 10, 15 minutes. It was just about going out, seeing a girl, you know, even though everybody partying at the, back then, that's when people used to dance. They don't dance. Now. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. post up on the wall, rub on your ass, or whatever they do. You know, don't step on my shoes, I'll shoot you tight. <laughs> so, but back then, it was damn, we danced. And every now and then, you would dance, but you saw this fine girl who probably went out with her sisters or whatever, or her friends, and she was the one that's turning everybody down. Like, yeah. no, I'm good. No, I'm okay. No matter whether the hit song come on or whatever, she was chilling. So that's what I wrote about. Wow. So yeah. did you have, when you were writing, was it that you could you could just visualize something and just put it down? Was it, I mean, exactly, exactly. 
That was it. Hey, fellas, there's a girl that's on the wall, stands her slim and tall. I think that's all she wants to do. Oh, I see a mover too. Sneaking out her attitude. Girl, make up your mind. So I, it was like, if you don't want a group, but I added that word groove, even though, because I grew up on that old groove thing, but I wanted yeah. to bring it back. If you don't want a groove, that is fine. Oh, you know, and, and, and once I wrote those lyrics down, Aaron took it on from there and gave it life. My goodness. Did, but did you surprise, were you surprised at how easy it was coming for you to be able to just write stuff down like that? Or did it just become yes, I'm a very, I'm a, I was very, very, very surprised. The first time that I wrote lyrics, it was like, because we used to, when I picked up bass, because again, Teddy and I grew up with these older bands. So once they moved on and Teddy said, you got to learn how to play bass. So we stuck. <laughs> so that's the instrument I picked up. But then we got into another band and we used to do cover songs, covering songs, but we got tired of that. So the first one that started to write, even though it was a corny song, I wrote a song called We're Rockin'. <laughs> and uh, so I knew then, it was like, and I was surprised because I was like, Jesus, how can I write? I almost like had an out of body experience yeah. because I attempted to have a piece of paper and a pencil. Yeah. But in minutes, I wrote a song, even wow. though it still had to mature, <clears throat> it still had to develop. It was easy for me to just write. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I was surprised myself. I always remember Paul McCarthy talking about how he came down, saw his wife and wrote yesterday, just came in his head and he just wrote it down. And I think at that moment, I realized that people like yourselves who can just write effortlessly, like it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift, a gift that it's, I can't just try and do it and go to writing school that it has to be a <laughs> it's, gift. It's a gift. You, you don't overthink. You It, it just comes. Yeah. It just comes. I've tried to overthink and write some more and it never works. But when a song comes to you and a, 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 a bass line or piano play, I literally, I can never tell you that it took me two or three days to write a song. Wow. I could sit there. Now, the most it probably took me was 40 minutes because I was going back and forth. Say, OK, I want this line to sound mature, but the song is already written. Wow. Now the song is already written. I've just appreciate that. Now the one, the first track that we have on the album that you sang was "You Can Call Me Crazy." Now we heard different <laughs> stories about that, Mr. Albie Shaw and stuff. But what happened with that particular track? The right. Well, that that track again. I I got so pissed where I had to call one. I think it was one day last year. I saw Teddy and Andre Harrell. God rest in peace, Andre. Yeah. But I saw them on, on a forum talking. And I heard Teddy also just last month talking, having an interview. And he said how Timmy was supposed to sing the song. He was singing the song. Mm -hmm. But Timmy got mad at Gene and left out the studio. And then he said, Gene said, yo, just put old boy on it. And Teddy said, who are you talking about? Timmy's not here to finish the song. And he said, you know who I'm talking about. And it was out. That was a farce. 
That was a fucking farce. That never happened. What the real story is, Teddy and I produced I'll Be Sure. Oh. When Andre wanted to sign Guy, Guy, mm. rest in peace, Andre, Teddy and I did If I'm Not Your Lover mm. for Al, and we did You Can Call Me Crazy. If you look at the credits, you'll see written by Timmy Gatlin, Teddy Riley. Produced by Timmy Gatlin, Teddy Riley. If I'm Not Your Lover with Slick Rick. We also did You Can Call Me Crazy, but we were working on Guy simultaneously because Andre Harrell gave us a big, big ass deal. Mm -hmm. So we were going back and forth. But Teddy was already known as a hot producer. So Teddy stopped everything just to finish up Guy, to work on Guy, because he was still getting demands to do hip hop. But it's like, what, the little money he was getting for that, because Teddy wasn't getting no big money. The heavy D in them in the beginning at all. He's getting a couple thousand dollars, even for Keith Sweat. Right. I doubt if he made 20 grand for that whole first album. Hmm. But with God, Andre gave us a deal for five hundred thousand dollars, so that became the priority a legitimate priority. Hmm. So he asked us to write five for sure. So we wrote, If I'm not your love, you're gonna be crazy. But when Gene came into the picture and we were writing songs for the guy record. Gene said that song is too good. We taking it back. <laughs> okay. We're taking it back. Timmy, you gonna sing the song? Cause it's your song anyway. It was my song. I gave it to Al and said, okay, I can write others. So that's why our vocals was on the song. But if you listen to the record, I'll sing the first verse. And then if you listen, I'm singing all of the second verse. Oh. So it makes sense. If, if, if why would I be singing the second verse to a song if I left the song and yeah. gave it to I? Why would he be singing the first verse? Yeah. Did um, what was your? I mean, how did Al take it? Are you taking back a song that he already started working on? Was he upset? Me and Al, me and Al is very close. Me and Al, we don't see each other every day, don't talk every day. But Al just sent me a text two, three days ago. Mm. And uh, me and Al is dope, and he knows you too. <laughs> yeah, he knows you. He knows about you too because he commented on the halftime chat. Okay. Uh, the the, fl the uh, flyers and the okay. videos you kept sending out. So me and Al is still cool, but he understood. Al has always been a charming business type person. He understood. He didn't like it. Yeah. But he understood. And at the time, we was the the only one that was on Uptown at the time was Heavy D, Al, no, I'll be sure, Heavy D, and Guy. Okay. So we was the newcomers, the, the first band. He had the Uptown Girls or whatever. Yeah. But we were the first self-contained, even though Al and Kyle West wrote, they were the first self-contained. I'll take that back. Al and Kyle West and Heavy D, they wrote their stuff, but it was still, they had help. Guy was the first coming into this, first, let's take it over. First self-contained, exec, we exec, executive produce our own record, everything. Wow. So we was the first ones to do that on Uptown. Now, but yeah, you can call me crazy, 
was a song that we wrote for Al. And then Gene said, take it back. And that's why I'm, that's why I was on the guy album. Wow. Now, when he said that, how did that, did you guys not think, well, no, I could write another one? Or did you think, yeah, it's a hot record. Yeah, we should take it back. I mean, you're personally, how did you take it when you, he, Gene was saying? I told him, like, why are we doing that? If we giving somebody something and they paid it for, why are we going to do that? It was like, why? It, it was unnecessary. Just to, it was unnecessary. It's like, especially we had so many other songs in a can. We, I, me and Teddy was writing and, 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 and having songs done every day, me, Teddy, and Aaron. So it's like, okay, what the, what? But it was a power move, you know, that I didn't necessarily like. Some power moves are called for, but this was unnecessary to me. It was like, that don't make sense. Yeah. One of my favorites is uh, Peace of My Love. Um, and, I, and I remember seeing um, some other songwriters com comment on it recently about, you can have over me, but I'm not totally free. I mean. How did you? You can have. You can't, can't have. have yeah. How did you come up totally with? Free. Yeah. How did that? How did you just think about what was that? What going through your mind? Well, Aaron and I. This is like in the beginning when Aaron first started coming to my house and stuff. We were young. We wasn't. <laughs> we wasn't. We knew out the gate that it wasn't about one person. Even though at the time I had a girlfriend, but we knew that it wasn't about one person. Right now, I'm focused on my dream. And so we were still going out partying, talking to whoever we wanted to talk to, connect. You know how young guys do. Yeah. So when we came back to write, I remember I had a Casio keyboard and Aaron started playing chords on the Casio. Aaron could literally play chords just like Teddy. Wow. Probably better when it comes to church. But uh, Aaron started playing chords. And, and immediately, when he played the chord, I said, stop. And then, boom, the boom, boom, boom. Because I picked up my bass. Mm. Boom, boom. And I, you can have all of me. Because I'm not totally free. I can't tell you everything that's going on. Da, 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 da. So when we did that and wrote it, we finished the song and literally 10 15 minutes again so that's one of the songs we had before we even took to teddy wow <laughs> oh goodness did you and you thought i would be the one to sing it not yourself yes because i've always wrote song even though i did the lyrics and wrote the lyrics down and arranged it and everything i always kept in mind who I, I don't know if most songwriters do this, I imagine so, but I've always kept in mind who this song would sound dope for. And Aaron was right in my face. And I wanted the song, I wanted the song to be like a new Gap band, like a fresh out the box new Gap band. Aaron had that vocal. And once Aaron started singing along with me, that's your song. Now this is your song. Wow. My goodness. And that's how it was. Same way with Teddy. And spend the night. We can spend the night tonight. I was like, okay, once we write this, Teddy, you're going to have to deliver. And yeah. Teddy was nervous. Oh, my God, he was so scared <laughs> to hear his voice for the first time over a microphone. <laughs> the, um, the question a lot of people had was that it sounded like Aaron was in a cupboard, in a sense, with Peace of My Love. When you hear the recording stuff, it's, it seems faint in, in some ways, not as clear as the rest. What would happen in, in that recording part? 
process. We was recording songs <laughs> in Teddy's bathroom. You okay? Okay, that's why I said okay. We were recording songs in Teddy's bathroom. So when we went to dump over the songs to the forty-eight track, the energy that he had, you know what I mean by dump songs? Like we took it from a eight track because Teddy had an eight track, and basically saved the hard drive. And when we went to a bigger studio, we just dumped it over to the 48 track. Okay. Well, even Aaron Lit, a lot of Aaron Lyrics, he had better energy in Teddy bathroom than he did in the studio. Oh, okay. So we kept we kept some of the lyrics from the bathroom. Okay. And you know, so that's how we mix it. So that's why it may sound like faint and whatever. Yeah. But it still worked. It worked. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I just, I, yeah, I've always sort of wondered about why that particular track. Um, I like what was going on. What was happening when you wrote that? Again, it was about women. It was about girls, young girls. It was about, you know, going out or whatever. And it was almost like a fantasy to me. Because you know how you meet someone, you go home, you think that may be the one, and you dream about it the next night. <laughs> so I was always, you know, I, I was like, and it was writing about my experience, my dreams. Oh, now reality, each and every time you are here with me, the touch you give me with your hands, will you caress my skin? I'm under your command, girl. You hypnotize me with your eyes. It took me some time, but now I realize it's you to whom which I belong I love it feelings getting strong I like and that's how that went yeah you, you make it seem as if it's so easy and straightforward I mean it's a very powerful track yeah, I know it's not easy but it came easy to me my goodness praise God yeah it came easy to me and that's another song that I thought I was gonna sing that song oh I'm, I'm glad I didn't that's why you hear me talking at the beginning of it I'm talking at the beginning of our life. Girl, words can express the way I feel for you. The way you hold me, the way you touch me, everything you do to me, you know I like it. Don't stop now. So I thought I was, but once Aaron got on it, he knocked me out the box. He was like, oh. <laughs> it was a wrap, yeah. So you would, you'd hear him sing and you'd say, yeah, you know, you go ahead. It wasn't like a, a, a group decision or it something. It wasn't no competition. It was like whoever sung it best, whoever did it best, whoever that song fit, okay. It was like, we wanted to do what was best at that particular time. We wanted to do what was best for the group, how this group was gonna get on. Wow. And then- All power. We got number seven, round and round, merry go round of love. I had nothing to do with it. nothing. Okay. That's doing the end of, that's doing the end of the record. Gene Griffin wanted a song. Just like the Gap Band. At the time, him and Teddy was starting to do, to me, it was starting to be like a little one-sided. I saw I, I, I saw and witnessed Gene and Teddy start to branch off a little bit after Teddy and I was so close for so long. I saw the manipulation coming in even then because I wasn't even around. And then they said, yo, come, what you think of this song, Tim? And by then he had this song, lyrics, everything, without me. That was the first song that they really did without me. Like they was trying to show me that they, I wasn't the only one that could write, which is okay. Uh, who wrote it? Teddy and Aaron. 
Oh, Teddy and Aaron. I had nothing. But once again, when you break that formula, it's dangerous because if you recall, hold on just one minute, please. If you recall, that was the second single. Yeah. And it didn't do nothing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I get it, but that, and I'm not bashing on them or whatever, because it was a, co a group collective. But that was the song that even it just didn't fit for us, period, because it wasn't done out of sincerity. It wasn't done to me. It wasn't done out of a. Uh, 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 genuine type of play it was done to basically look what we can do too mm. and gene also co-wrote the song so he pushed his song okay okay our manager wanted to be a writer so he pushed this and even pushed it as a second single wow but it was like gerald buxley and them knew off, off the back nope uh-uh nope Andre Harrell knew it too. Nope. But they put it out there to appease him. Because he had a, you had a, he had a, a really hot group, so it was important to 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 try and see so be supportive, I guess. Groovy did so well, even though it took Groovy a while to get up. It Groovy was on the charts forever. Yeah. So yeah. Groovy did so well, so they just thinking, okay, whatever they say, put it out. But I wasn't bored at all. Yeah. I didn't like it. It wasn't us. And uh, another powerful one is "Spend the Night." This was so. This was um, the one that you said that they had to. <laughs> why did you just? Why did you want him to sing it instead of yourself or Aaron? Because even though Aaron was the lead singer, each person in the group, we wanted to have at least one or two songs. Okay. Even though we wasn't lead, so we wanted to spread the. Just spread the bag. So even though Aaron was known as the lead singer, I had two songs. You can call me crazy in my business. Yeah. Teddy he had two songs, Spend the Night and Teddy's Jam. So that's how we did it. But but back in those days, I mean, from the Gap Band to Earth and Fight, you really didn't have, you had the lead singer. So, but who's that? Was it part of your vision to make sure that we all, everyone feels? Yes, good? yes, definitely out the gate out the gate it was our it was my vision that god gave me to make sure that at least even though people may know oh because aaron killed when aaron when they heard aaron voice everybody thought it was the gap band yeah. they thought it was a new gap band record everybody so we knew aaron was dangerous in that but we still had you had two separate different personality it was three person different personalities each of us had different styles each of us and it was something that came together real quick it's just that people started to believe that they were the king instead of all three of us being the king because if you had aaron timmy and teddy that you know it was still we all the group was so talented that with no help of the record companies or whatever we still had individual success all three of us yeah. So that's how talented the group was. Yeah. But you know, once one person stopped thinking, "Oh, I'm running the group," 
and which was that. And I don't want a bag or just not a Teddy bag or Aaron bag. It's just that I didn't like Merry Go Round of Love because it was a Gene Griffin doing that said, okay, let's put this song out because I'm, even though his name is on all of the records, Gene Griffin didn't write. Gene Griffin was a manager. He was a gangster. I respect him as teaching us how to dress, how to style. He taught us what not to do in business, but it was a conflict of interest. It was too many, his hands was in too many and I wasn't having it. Yeah. I wasn't having it, no. Well, I, I wanted to get to that, but um, Goodbye Love um, really um, sampled quite a lot um, by, I think Mariah had been, had been used quite a- No, no, no. She used Peace, of my, Peace love. of my Love, sorry. But Goodbye Love. Yeah, um, Peace of My Love was sampled a lot. Peace of My Love is the most sampled out of guy, the guy record, but uh, Goodbye Love they sampled to and I like, but Goodbye Love came from, basically when we first started to hit, I wrote a song about my girlfriend at the time that we had to start going on promo tours. And you <laughs> we get ready go. They had already set it up. So we was going on promo tours and we was doing other things. So that song was Goodbye Love. So, so was it that you wrote the lyrics with your bass and then did you get anywhere? That I didn't use my bass. That I started to play around and fiddle around with the keyboards a little bit. Matter of fact, that came from the keyboard, the bass line. I learned how to play bass line hmm. on the keyboards, on, on the lower keys. And then I started saying, okay. And I picked up one or two chords. But once again, Aaron taught me. Aaron was like, Aaron wrote out a chart for me to teach me how to play keyboards wow yeah aaron wrote out that chart aaron hall wrote a chart to teach me and i once i picked it up that's how close we were once i picked it up mm. it was like i would go to my bass then come back to the piano make sure the keys were correct and everything in the courts and goodbye love <laughs> that was a song i wrote that we were getting ready to go so it was like, well, I'm not married yet or whatever. <laughs> Goodbye, love. Who was a female at, in the background? Tammy Lucas. So you guys have known her for Tammy. that long, back in, wow. Yes, Tammy Lucas. Tammy Lucas. My goodness. Tammy I Lucas. Yeah, I mean, most of us know her from singing backgrounds with a lot of other stuff, but we didn't realize she'd gone, because, you, you know, she, <laughs> nothing in here, so. Yeah, that I, I don't understand. It's like okay, you have all the success that you could possibly have. Thirty-two years later, why are you not? It was so we didn't create New Jack Swing, and we didn't do this by ourselves. First of all, it was God, and it was so many other entities and people that supported us and helped us and sung with us along the way. Not why not give them life. I never understood it. That's why I stayed quiet for so long. Because I didn't want to come across as the disgruntled person that got kicked out the group and whatever. I had success on my own. God bless me, I was able to own my own publishing. So I'm good with it. Yeah. But it was just that this same narrative kept yeah. going on. And every time you heard the story, it was a total different story. Yeah. I'm like, okay, stop. Enough is enough. Yeah. What about my business? Because this was the one that you sang. Um, but what was what was going through your mind when you wrote it? Well, you can call me crazy and my business. At that time, that was the last two songs that made the record. Because I was so focused on 
making sure everybody else had their songs. And then when I saw my best friend at the time, Teddy, that I protected and, and loved and cared for, start to be manipulated and he started to lean more towards Gene Griffin. And then I wanted to get married on you. I got engaged on you could call me crazy. And everybody was thinking I was stupid. I was crazy. Wow. You gonna mess up the group. You, so that's why I wrote, you can call me crazy. My business is stay the hell out of my business. <laughs> Your business is literally stay the hell out of my business. Did you? Did I'm they tired know? of people always ask. Did they know? Yes, I knew it was. <clears throat> did I? Did, did they, they know, know what you what you write? What the meanings behind the songs were? Yes, I always wrote from my heart. If I we wrote about clubs and we was having good times and fun, I wrote about that. If we wrote about <clears throat> being with a certain significant other, and now we gotta go, we wrote about that. If we wrote about Teddy and what he was going through and whatever, I wrote Spend the Night when he liked this little young girl. I wrote about that. Wow. If we wrote about, if Teddy needed a song and he needed to just dance and create it, we wrote about that. I had nothing to do with Merry-Go-Round of Love. I had nothing to do with that, but other songs have everything to do with it. So they, of course they knew my business, listen to the lyrics. I'm tired of people always asking me yeah. what's happening, what's going on, trying to get into my head. Why don't they leave me alone? I want to say, why don't they leave me the f alone? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to say, but I didn't. Some of the questions that people ask is, were there other songs from that album that didn't, that didn't make the album that you guys wrote and created? Um, yeah, plenty of songs, plenty of songs. I mean, we had a lot, like My Prerogative. What? We had, songs, we had songs that the group today did, Him or Me. We had, me and Teddy wrote songs that he gave the boy George, Don't Take My Mind on a Trip. Yeah. We had these songs Teddy and I did together. And it was passed out to their own needs after I left. Okay, so you hadn't recorded, so there, there wasn't one that you, the three of you recorded, and but then didn't make the album cuts. It was just that these were the, the ten that you recorded as a group. Yes, okay. exactly. Okay, so I think the big question that you know, and I've, I've I've seen a lot of your interviews about what really happened and stuff, but was it a case where, you know, you were watching what was happening? How you, you know your very best friend was being manipulated by uh, by Gene. I've heard Andre Harrell, I think two weeks before he died, give an interview with Kenny Burns, talking about how Gene came to his house at three in the four, four, six in the morning to get the publishing from, from. so it's quite known that he, he, he you know, he, he was quite a, a tough character. You noticed what was happening and it was, was it like, and we've seen some films where they, they all vote and say, yeah, we vote for you out like they did to Bobby Brown or how, how did the exits happen? Well, I once I got married, I moved to Arlington, Virginia. Me and my wife moved to, we were young, moved to Arlington, Virginia. But I thought that wasn't a big problem because Gene lived in Virginia. So we were still going back and forth and on the New Jersey Turnpike, it's only three to four hours. So I was always going back and forth anyway. But I noticed that 
a week or two passed by, I haven't heard from Aaron or Teddy. And this is after Gene gave us a little bit, bit of our advance. And I was pissed about that. Why is Gene giving us our, our advance? Just wire it into our account. But Gene gave us our uh, advance through Western Union. I'm like, I don't like this. That means he has POA. He has control of the bag. We don't. So I was already in Teddy here saying, this ain't right, man. So, and then he tried to get us to sign this thick-ass contract before we actually got signed. It's just that Uptown Records, Andre Braille moved so fast that once we signed the Uptown Records, that's when Gene hit us with his contract. So I wasn't gonna sign that shit at all. So I noticed one or two weeks passed by, I haven't heard from Teddy, Gene. Even if I haven't heard from Gene, I should damn sure hear from Aaron and Teddy. So I called Gene up and said, yo, what's up? Y'all all right? Why y'all ain't calling me anything? We did the photo shoot, big photo shoot. We did all kind of stuff together. So as soon as I heard the tone of Gene's voice, I knew something wasn't right. Uh, Teddy never called me. Aaron never called me. Gene and I had a verbal, old-fashioned cussing out each other. I mean, it was old-fashioned. I mean, you, you. What are you trying to do? This my group. No, it ain't. I'm taking the group. Wow. And I'm taking it and consider yourself not part of the group anymore. I was like, you. I said, you could have a group. God gave me that when he gave me. It was, uh, it was stuff that shouldn't have been said, that was said and whatever. And that was it. Now I'm out the group. I cried like a baby though. Once I got off that phone, I cried like a newborn baby. Because I was hurt. Wow. For so many different emotions. I was, but once I finished crying, I spent two or three days crying. It was like, okay, it's time to get back on the horse and see what I can do. And I went right back because Gene and Teddy couldn't even get a record deal when we first started out. Me and a, a friend of mine named David Peasley, a white guy who worked for Dance Music Magazine at the time, he had a relationship with Tommy Boy. And what started the bidding was that we went to Tommy Boy and we got the deal. And then I called Gene and Teddy back and said, we got a deal. Y'all couldn't get one, but I got one. It was just like that. But once we got that deal, Teddy and I had wrote a song for Orange Juice Jones. So we was connected to Russell as well, Russell Simmons. And Russell told Andre, go get them boys. So that's when Andre, Andre known for outbidding everybody back then. Cause he had the pocketbook. And even though we could verbally committed to Tommy Boy, when Andre came along with that money, we had to say, okay, we going with Uptown. Wow. So Gene and Teddy didn't even get the first record deal. Period. Teddy will tell you that if you confront him. So you, um, after having this verbal with, with Gene and he says you're out the group, did, did, could he do that though? How could he kick you out the group? Did he have any power? He couldn't. He couldn't really kick me out because I signed no contract. But by then he had Teddy and Aaron in the headlock. I didn't know whether they signed or whatever, but it was obvious that they signed. So that's what made me like, okay, I'm fighting a losing battle over here. They got if he got Aaron and Teddy, because I one thing I knew, and it wasn't wisdom or whatever. It was just God giving me insight. 
I knew he wouldn't even pull that stunt if Teddy and Aaron would have said, nah, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. But obviously, they agreed to it. That's facts. They agreed. You know, we, okay, we with you, Gene. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't hold no animosity, but I'm giving you truth. Yeah. That's all. I'm telling the truth. And sometimes the truth can be harsh, but that's what they did. And, and basically left me, even though, you know, I've forgiven them, but at that particular time, whatever, they left me for dead. They didn't know. They didn't care. Wow. It was like they would focus on them. And I give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, we were young. But yeah. at the same time, loyalty and friendship, a character trait to me is a character trait. Yeah. We but, were babies together, so how could you do that? It seems as if you had... You were much stronger in character and determination, even even back then. You you seem to, because you said you when you hit Aaron, you just quit your job. You you went in and said, "We've got this," and getting the end of the deal. It seems as if you had a different type of vision, and that you weren't limited by circumstances at that point. I don't give myself that much credit. I there's certain times anybody, if God anoints you and give you a vision and he protects you, we all do things sometimes and have faith in something and things are gonna happen in a certain way for that particular moment. I don't know if I would do that now. I don't know, I could, it depends on the vision. I just, it wasn't that I wanted it bad. I did want it bad, but at the same time, I knew it was something that was beyond me. To have that type of faith, to quit your job, to have that type of faith, to be criticized and whatever, you never gonna be nothing. You gonna do this, you gonna do that. To have that type of faith, even when I got put out of a group I love, you gotta remember, they had already Universal MCA, Uptown Records, they had life-size posters of us. They already had posters of us. They, My face was on every CD and every album cover you could find. So. It was hard for me even right after, in the aftermath, because everywhere I went, they expect, people expect, even concert, people expecting to see me, asking me questions, why you ain't on stage? You sick? You this? What's going on? So it was hard. How do you explain that? And everybody that, in in New York, where we come from, everybody know that Timmy and Teddy was together ever since they was little, little. Mm. So how could your best friend do that? But right after their second album, The Future, then they got rid of Gene. So, yeah. The um, what was the did they did they spin a story? Because as I said, what was the story that that they because they must have had to answer questions when the video of Groovy came out. What was the story? Timmy left they, the group. It was so many stories I can't even say. But one thing I do know: Timmy was disgruntled. Oh, Timmy left the group. Oh, Timmy got married. Oh, Timmy did this. Timmy did that. Timmy didn't get along with Aaron. Oh, Timmy didn't get along with Teddy. It was like, you don't have to try to, you already kicked me out. Now you want to bury me? Yeah. You know, so it was that. That's how I felt. Yeah. How did you, I mean, full-time job, I'm a, I'm a therapist, and I, and I can't imagine <laughs> the world, what, what that's like, you know, just being, you're creating something, your friends leaving you. Your, your the videos coming out. You've got the biggest track in the country, and you, you're not part of it. Did you then think it's over, or did you think I need to pack up and, and move forward? Or because that was another question someone asked: Is what did you do 
next? I mean, in the midst of all this, I did think I, I, I did think everything that I worked for, everything God gave to me is over. I did think that in the beginning, yeah. but in minutes went by, and I said, "Okay, God, if you could give that to me, you could bless me with other things." Because this wasn't my doing. I cried like a baby. I prayed and then got back to work. And I called up the same people who we verbally committed to. But And I was wondering, I'm thinking to myself, Monica Lynch and Tom Silverman ain't going to even want to hear my voice. And my girl at the time said, call them. Just call them. You wouldn't know if you don't call them. And they had already heard the story that Gene Griffin, because they everybody knew who Gene Griffin was and what type of person he was so they knew it wasn't me so Tom Silverman and Monica Lynch paid for my airfare paid for my gave me money up front said come down and, and do some demos for us and the first demo I did was a song called After 12 that went on the Lean On Me movie for the four MDs and then they gave me 200000 for my solo record wow <laughs> and then I started met, I met my partner out Wilkie Stewart and we started to produce and we clicked just like me and Aaron clicked and his vocals was damn near better because <laughs> he was a vocal caught a sewer and I wrote two songs for him and his solo record So Cold and Headache and got him a Sony deal and then we and, and Cassandra Mills and Lil Silas brought us out to LA and that's when we started working on everyone else so at this point did, did, did the dream vision of being in a group did you say let's park it I'm gonna go solo or what or, or let me do production what was what was going through your mind and what would what, what path we were making so much money now producing that I had to do a solo record because even though my mind was in many different places because right when I was doing my solo album, I was still producing Belbert DeVoe and Ralph Tresler and Stephanie Mills and Christopher Williams. Wow. So I didn't really give my solo record the attention it needed, but I didn't want to mess up another commitment with Tommy Boy. Okay. Because they had them gave me the money. So it was like, okay. I love being in a group. God gave me that vision. Yeah. But I did it because the only reason I did that, I wouldn't have never done it. I mean, I would have done solo things within the group because I wanted us to be like the Black Beatles. I really did pray for that for a long time. I wanted us to be like the Black Beatles. But I did it because I had to, because I was ousted from the group and I didn't want to be in no more groups. Okay, okay. For a long time. Yeah, and so that's when the went, went solo and it's, it's um. You, you do your solo album, you have to promote that. And then you said, you know what, let me go back and just focus on developing other artists. Yes. It wasn't so much developing the artists. It was just writing, doing the same thing I did for Aaron and Teddy and myself. Hanging with them. Like we did that with Christopher Williams. We did that with Belle Biv DeVoe. We did that with Stephanie. We did that with Ralph Chesnaut. We did that with Bobby just hanging with them, mm. getting to know them, and writing songs for them. Yeah, I, I have to admit, um, 
the song that I would play if I've had a little argument with my girl back in the day was when would I see you smile again? Because you, you you listen to it and it kind of be like, okay, I can okay, I can be humble now and go and say, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's, it was such a, a, it's a powerful track. The lyrics, it was, it, they did the video well, but I'm like, wow, this is really, I mean, what was happening when you thought about writing that? Because that's it's a powerful track, really, really. Well, that song, that song actually was, a song again that was supposed to go on my solo record oh. but and i wrote it for specifically for that yeah but at the time if you recall did nobody know what mike bivens ricky bell and ronnie devoe was gonna do didn't nobody know matter of fact people that already counted them a bust they already counted them out before they even started yeah we were the folk wokey my partner alvin wokey stewart and i were the first producers to work with them, period. Okay. Before Spider-Man and Free, before Hank Shockley, before everyone else. So we actually wrote five songs for him. But we only, MCA only used the two ballads. But they were the two strongest ballads. Mm -hmm. And uh, that song was mine. It was mine. It was like, tell me, it was about me, my life, and, and my girl and my wife. It's like, you get in an argument, you don't even have time to make amends because you out on the road again. Yeah. And you come back and thinking things gonna change, but a woman still holds on to it and remember <laughs> the fight y'all had before you left. And you the only thing you thinking about, oh, sex is gonna fix it. No, it isn't. They wanna talk, they wanna clear some things up emotionally, mentally. <laughs> Then the physical will come later if mentally you can make her feel secure again. So yeah. the song I wrote was, tell me when will I see you smile again? Yeah. I, I think the question that somebody asked was that when Guy came out and, and they were performing and stuff and um, they were, they went back into the, to their second album, were you with one eye looking at what was happening with them? Were you, were you, did you guys make up? Or was it just like, I'm in LA, you guys are there with being cross -pop? Never ever, never ever. Even still to today, like Teddy and I have met two or three times. Matter of fact, I just talked like last, last week and the week before, you know, me and Teddy just basically talked on the phone for a short period and through, you know, social media and his email and my email, you know, Aaron and I, we started talking every single morning for, for a long time, like a month ago. And everybody, Christopher Woods, everybody started talking, but we never, like Aaron, what's different about it is, I think I lost you. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay, good. I think it never was officially an apology. It never was officially, yo, what we did wasn't right. You know, it was bullshit and it shouldn't happen that way. It was always, they passed the buck. Oh, it wasn't me, it was him. It wasn't him, man. And Teddy come from the standpoint, you know, that's done, that's over with, you know, we different people now. It's like, no, you still have to, to make a to truly make amends, I feel 
you still have to apologize. You still have to admit to what I, my responsibility and my accountability was wrong. We were a group before we brought Gene back in. We did this together. We was children. And I went off and became this big producer and became the lead singer of a group that I never intended me to be the lead singer. And it wasn't right. God was gonna bless all of us anyway. But I still haven't received an official apology. And yes, I've talked to them, you know, many times throughout the years, but there was never an official apology because when that train was running up, I didn't hear from them at all. So okay, so even when they were doing the, 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 the future album, did, did um, at that point in time, I think, Bill, you know, this was 1990s, so, so you were doing, you were working on quite a lot of things at that time. Were you watching and rooting or did you, what, did you have any thoughts about what they were doing at that point? The, you know? Never, I never, of course, anybody that's, I will be lying, I will be lying to you if I said once a group and you heard the name that God gave you and a group come on and put out a record that your attention ain't gonna go there. But I had so many other people <laughs> coming to me. You know, you always have those people that's coming to you saying, this is what's happening, this is what's going on. Did you, have you heard this? And they have it in play it for you. Uh, this is what someone said. This is how it's going on. Tim, Timmy, listen to this. How could this person say that? I was dead. And that's how it was. Yeah. Now, you, so when the future record came out, I wasn't, I didn't really, I seen the video because they debuted it on BET, but, uh, I, you know, once I saw Teddy singing lead, I was like, the direction, the whole mission of the group has went sideways. Mm -hmm. I guess it explains the difference between the original Guy album and the future because the sound was quite was quite different. The 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 um, the future sounded very a little bit more mechanical and, and stuff, and it didn't. It seems to have lost the soul that the original album had, and and but I think most of us didn't really understand. Just thought, well, that's how time moves on and stuff, but. I can now No, that wasn't how time was. It was a total different it was a total different vision. Mm -hmm. It didn't have the same I mean, I don't care if you hear Earth Wind and Fire in nineteen seventy two compared to nineteen ninety, whether you liked the song or didn't like the song, or even today, they still have that same formula. Yeah. You get those horn structures. You get those bass lines. You get those marvelous background singing. You get that Philip Bailey, and you get that who's a, a, a Maurice White combination. Yeah. You know, guy. Literally in one year, you go totally bananas and flip a whole sound. It. I didn't appreciate. It. I didn't like it. The only song that I thought was decent, but it was so separate from the rest of the album, it was less chill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a decent ballad, yeah. but it wasn't a strong ballad. Like you couldn't put less chill up to 
peace of my love and goodbye love. Yeah. You couldn't put it. Yeah. You just couldn't if people like the song. But you could put, I'll tell you, I don't give a damn where I am. Play less chill. Then I'm going to come in and play peace of my love. Mm-hmm. You tell me which one is better. Yeah. I, I play goodbye love. You tell me which one is better. Yeah. And that, that's how I saw it. I could play all my ballads. I could play When Will I See You Smile Again. I could play I Do Need You, Promises, Promises. Mm-hmm. You tell me which one is better. So that song, it was just a, it, 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 the song was exactly what it was. If you want to chill out, play the song. If you want to make love and you want to make up to your woman, play my song. Yeah. Now, I, I noticed you, you did um, Keep Sweat, Make You Sweat. But then Keith talks about bringing Teddy in to do some of the, uh, add up some, do a little bit of the remix on it. How did that's you- a lot? That's a lot. And I, I and I still got mad love for Keith. Teddy did the whole first album. Yeah. Okay. But by the time Guy came out and Teddy and Gene became GR Productions, they started charging everybody a lot of money to do one track. Keith Sweat is very fugal with his money, so he didn't have that. He couldn't use Teddy. He could not use Teddy, period. Teddy never touched Make You Sweat. If Teddy had a touch Make You Sweat or whatever, or whatever Keith is saying, his name would have been on it. Period. Mm-hmm. Teddy's name would have been on it. Because at that point in time, Teddy was hot. Keith, I was just starting to become a producer. This is way before Chris, Belbiff DeVoe, Ralph, Jasmine Guy, all of that. And Stephanie Miller. Keith knew where the sound came from because we all grew up together. Mm. Keith knew that I was the lyricist songwriter because we all grew up together. Keith watched us grow up. Keith is like three, four years older than me and Teddy. Wow. Probably older than that. Keith and I used to ride the train together, fussing on the train because Keith worked on Wall Street and I was going to high school. So we would fuss on the train about who songs going to be better and whatever. By that time, Keith was working on his second record with a lot of pressure on him. The sophomore album is always more pressure than the first. Yeah. But he didn't have Teddy. So Keith is a song, he's a dope songwriter within his own right. Mm. But he had a lot of balance on his record. Mm. But he needed that signature up-tempo to bust his album out. And Keith came and met me in the same building I grew up in at my mother's house because I just happened to be in New York. And he Keith drove a white, a brand new white Acura at that time. And Keith begged me to come to the studio with him, begged me. Cause no, no star like Keith, your first album went two million, you come looking for little old me. That's facts. So that night I told Keith what I wanted. Keith gave me what I wanted. We went down to Chunking Studios and I wrote, Make You Sweat. And Keith did not want to use his name. He did not want to do none of that, but it was a number one hit. Hmm. And, and every time I hear that song, I don't hear no Teddy Riley. I hear Bobby Wooten, I hear me, and I hear Keith and Wokey. 
Alton Wokey Stewart sung backgrounds. Because hmm. Alton Wokey was under my wing. Hmm. And I called Wokey to the studio. This, you're going to sing a song exactly like this. These are, these are the lyrics. You're going to sing, and Wokey song make you sweat. Wow. There's no other additives. Now, if Teddy did a remix somewhere, whatever, I don't know about that. But for this song, whatever, this yeah. song that we did make you sweat, Teddy had nothing to do with it. Period. Okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as I said, that's why it's important to get your side because when you get trades, magazines, and stuff, because if you're silent, People could it could be written here and there and everywhere because as I said, people probably realized oh he worked on the first album, more than likely did something there. If you don't, if as I said, those who don't no. really see, hmm. just look at the credit. And I had to fight for my credits. I didn't play. I couldn't play. Teddy name is not nowhere on Make You Sweat. Period. It's just that we had that similar style. But Teddy, when I did Make You Sweat, Teddy had moved on. The future was something totally different mm. from what I did with Keith. Yeah. It was totally different. The first Sky album, you can't even, it sounds like two totally different groups. Yeah, yeah. Period. It became more hip hop, more leather jackets, more Doc Martin boots and black jeans. Yeah. That wasn't us. That's what they turned into. Mm. Did 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 before Gene passed on? Did you ever run into him at all? Never. Didn't want to. Never. And I give him props for basically protecting us, showing us lifestyle, fashion, and how to maneuver in this industry. By watching him do what he shouldn't have done but he I still say he took advantage of young kids he took advantage of a lot of people he took advantage of the gifts that we had and that's what I known him for mm. and yeah. I never had a chance to say whatever I never made amends or never no yeah the um I know that loads of people then, one of the questions somebody asked was about, now you've demonstrated earlier by when you were singing some of your lyrics, but did you continue over the last couple of years still singing, but not either publicly or just at home or what was? You mean now? Yeah, yeah, because that's what, yeah, since, you know. Well, we, now, well, well, well now, I'm, uh, now I'm vice president of Urban Music for Pop Life Global Universal. So I'm vice president of urban and Latin music. So a lot of my business now is administration. Oh. And I also, you know, supervise movies. So that's what I do. Like I told Elise, <laughs> I called her at four something in the morning because I just, China and, you know, the States are 17 hour difference. Yeah. So I just went to bed at like five in the morning and I called her like at 430, so I'm ready to go to bed. So I had this meeting. I just reminded myself when the meeting was because I was out of it. So, But I got myself together Wow. around one o'clock, took a shower and stuff to really be with you. But yeah, so I'm in the administration side of it, still writing, produce. But, uh, you know, certain artists that I love still basically trying to 
reacclimate myself with certain artists and whatever because I've been focusing on publishing and the business side of it. Okay. So the actual the actual performance side, you, you just have you lost? No, I haven't performed, man. I haven't performed <laughs> in woo Jesus. I haven't performed in twenty eight years. Wow. Yeah, twenty eight years. Don't mean I can still I can still do it though. Yeah. <laughs> but I would have to give them, you know, get in shape, condition, whatever. But I still play my piano and bass all the time. So okay. that's not the point. It's just physically getting conditioned for that. I mean, I mean, because some people have asked, I mean, as I said, I asked, a couple of people started asking, what would, could you imagine, even if it was a one-off show or, or, or like a charity event or like a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, would you, could you see yourself and, and Aaron and Teddy um, just, just, ha just doing one of those BET Legends or Soul Train sort of stuff and just having a one-off performance? And of course. I think Teddy has already really tried to do it in so many different venues and avenues by having Damien and Aaron and Blackstreet, but there's so many different members, but no one never really saw me, myself, and Aaron, Damien, and Teddy together. I tell you what, if we put our heads together, we don't have to be best friends, but it'd be multi-million dollars. Million, we do two, three shows. You know, if we do two or three shows, we don't even have to, we could just rehearse, leave, rehearse, say what's up, get that bag. It will be sold out. I, I've told this on other, other interviews. I believe personally that if, if people really knew the four of us were back together, it would sell out in hours. Wow. Hours. Hours. Yeah, I know. Live Nation, Live Nation, anybody put it together, it would sell out in hours if everybody knew that okay it's not about one person everybody is getting their own money because yeah. i'm gonna get mine i don't <laughs> care what i'm gonna get mine i'm gonna be honest with you but if everybody is getting their own like aaron and damien and there's no more going through teddy and the stories that i heard with like these guys had to go through teddy to get their money they never really seen a publishing check. I was shocked when Aaron told me that, and then Damien. I was I was shocked. Matter of fact, Damien to tell you that he never really got a publishing check from God. I'm like, I was what? What? So yeah, if it's set up to where they get their monies, that it comes directly from the promotion company or the company that's putting the show on and the venue, I think everybody will have a different attitude and a different look at making it happen. What about recording new material? Because obviously the skill of writing hasn't left and and, 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 and it's like a McCartney, Lennon, Joe, yourself and Teddy, LA and Babyface, you know, Babyface could write, but having LA with the sort of the percussions and the sort of the rhythms, it just married. Right. Could you ever see yourselves, even if the guy stuff was still harder to pull off, but the, the collaboration on a track? Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. I believe when you put two people back together who had that touch, that 
just like two old siblings meeting that was adopted by different parents. Once they meet up again, they just hug and cry <laughs> and they start speaking for each other almost like you go back in the time. Yeah. Nothing is impossible if you put those elements back together, like you said. It's like the only thing that bothers me is I've seen white rock groups do it. Yeah. I even seen Ozzy Osbourne. I was looking at Black Sabbath like Ozzy Osbourne last night. I'm like, okay. And they kicked him out the group. They did all this to Ozzy. He became a superstar. All right. Now you got four old white men still able to sit down and talk. Yeah. And reunite. Yeah. I hold no animosity. It's like the Bible is like Joe. I felt like Joseph. I hold no animosity. Y'all sent me to the slaves. God, what you intended bad for me, God made good for me. I get it. Okay, now let's get the bag. Let's get that bag because it's out there. It's too many people with the same questions you have. What about if y'all four got back together? Oh my God. Because you don't saw it. Teddy. You don't saw Damien try to sing his brother's songs. You don't saw Aaron and Teddy. You don't saw Teddy, Damien, and Aaron. Okay, we got that. But everybody 33 years later, everybody's still wondering, okay, what about the original guy? Mm. What about Timmy Gatlin? Didn't he create it? Didn't he do this? Well, what's going on? Mm. And if we got back together, I think it would be remarkable. Yeah. I mean, we have to really appreciate. Uh, I, I think the, the the final question we had um, was that if you were stuck in a lift and stuff, and you and you had to watch a movie, uh, and they said, "Look, you know, three hours we put a movie for you. What would you pick to watch?" My favorite movie. What would I pick? Once Upon a Time in America. Is that the um, Denzel one? No, Once well, Upon a Time in America with Robert De Niro. Oh. And, uh, it's a gangster movie, but the movie reminded me so much <laughs> of us. You have to see the movie. I'm going to have to look for that. It's called Once Upon a Time in America. Wow. It's about, it's a, it was a big, huge movie. A huge movie. But I give you a little synopsis. It's about two friends that were young kids together. And they did, you know, stole a little, it was a, it's set back in the 20s, they stole a little bit of whatever. Two friends that was the leader, it was four guys, but it was two friends that came up together. Robert De Niro went in prison for a little bit. But when he got out, now they moved the crime up, the criminal behavior to, okay, now they robbing banks and now they work for this big gangster, whatever. But Rob, what's the other man name? But Robert De Niro and the other friend, they started to get off into politics. But Robert De Niro was basically, listen, I just, we do what we do, but I want this simple life over here. Where the other one was more, I want to get into politics. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, then he stole Robert De Niro woman. He start claiming all the fame for himself. Oh, he start sabotaging Robert De Niro. But at the end of the movie, when Robert De Niro really, they reunited, they old men now. 
and Robert De Niro confronted him, even though he gained all his wealth and political power, and he had a woman that really was, didn't belong to him, but so she was miserable. <laughs> he went and threw his ass, he threw himself in a garbage can compactor because he couldn't live with himself. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that movie was so deep. It's called Once Upon a Time in America. I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> what about song? Because they said, okay, we're gonna put this movie on for you, but you know, let's put a song for you to let's put a song. What would you pick if you had that one song to play? Frankie Beverly Amazed Before I Let Go. Oh wow. Wow. Why that song? I love it. And listen to the lyrics. That song, it was like that when that matter of fact, I'll never forget my big sister took me and my three, it's seven of us, but she took the three siblings to this Frankie Be it was cool in the gang, Frankie Beverly and Maze, and I forgot that uh but lyrically, I've always and I think that really guided and directed what type of songs I wanted to write. Very simple but powerful. Mm. And the song is You Made Me Happy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I was like, I was like, and then, you know, it's like, even though we breaking up, but let me tell you this before I let go. What the? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's so simple, but meaningful and strong. It's like, and then the beat, the bass line. Yeah. Simple but powerful. If that song didn't have that, and that's how, I, if you listen to the first guy record, mm. simple bass lines but powerful. Yeah. If you listen to what I did for Keith, Christopher Williams, Bell Biv DeVoe, simple bass lines but powerful. Yeah. Like on Bell Biv DeVoe, I used the fretless bass line. Boom, do, 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 boom, 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 But Everything else, simple but strong. And I wrote like that. Wow. Don't, 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 bump, don't, don't. <laughs> it's like, come on. Boom, don't, 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 don't. I, man, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. After that, if I had to play that, if that song stayed on for hours, I just walk, I could live with that. Yeah, you could. <laughs> I could live with that before I let go. You made me happy. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yes, I can say. Come on, it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm that. good. I'm good. <laughs> no, you know, you've been a legend. You've been. It's been amazing to to go through the album with you. Um, to to hear your, your story, your journey. Um, as I said, for fans around the world who have been, you know, you, you come up with an album that creates a genre and spawns fans and. Music isn't the same, you know, as you, you might attest, being a, a label executive, it's quick it's quick and fast. You know, no one's, you know, no one's releasing seven tracks on an album anymore. No one's going to, you know, going to the Apollo to sing live or, or any of that stuff. It's, it's, so we miss, there's a lot of us that have missed that. And we're not into the, we miss the real lyrics, you know, the stuff that, you know, Ready for the World is written, or Frank Beverly Maze, those sort those, of those slow songs that really talk about pure love, and we don't get that. And so 
it's been a privilege to listen to how you created your songs and because no one knows who wrote any of the stuff because it's not written in there even if you go to anywhere it won't tell you who wrote what or how it came about so to, to yeah that it. was basically that was basically basically to, to disguise everything like it and if you look at the credits it has gene griffin teddy riley myself and aaron hall yeah. it's like gene gene griffin was never a writer yeah but and that's what he did but they had to but to release that album i would say this and i'm glad i did it but me being out the group and not signing that contract allotted me and afforded me to do a lot of different things and they had to basically pay me you know handsomely to release the album wow yeah i got paid very handsomely for them to release that record uh, looking back at how your life has turned out um family and everything when you look back and think if i had been a rock star, a star you know an army star and the, that life would you look and think it might not it would have things would have been different because just you know the limelight and all, all the pressures and that compared to the, the, the direction you took behind the scenes yeah i i would have i'll be honest with you that i thought about that and i have many different emotions and thoughts but when i pray about it i'm glad that i went on the way uh the the path that god put me on because if i would have just fell in line and been subservient to jane and not tried to cause drama after talking to aaron and damien literally talking to them to find out all these years the only thing they lived off of was show money was horrible it was sad to me mm -hmm. i didn't feel good about it it was very sad to me it was like yes i would have had the fame but i wouldn't have learned the business i wouldn't have been able to retain my publishing i wouldn't have been able to call shots with just my attorneys I wouldn't been able to be married for this long. I wouldn't have be, been able to have my children in private school and they all have degrees and and for and 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 still they are tight knit like I have two girls and a son 28 to 22 and they all are tight knit my baby girl is finishing up her college at NL NLV so I you know God has blessed me and he's first and foremost in my life and I'm still able to go and talk and now I'm in a position where I'm vice president of a China-based slash universal company wow. that I didn't ask for it fell in my lap and they paid me handsomely and so I really don't take no I try to be kind and courteous but I don't take bullshit from people because I've seen I haven't seen it all but I've witnessed a lot of things that I would never want to go back to. When I was young, I cried like a baby. Yeah. But if I found myself on tour for 30 years because I was because of our fans and they like us, but I was broke. Mm. I wouldn't have been happy with that. I've been miserable. Yeah. I would want to commit suicide. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it, it, and it's the one thing that I when I first 
connected with you, I noticed that you know the amount of faith, and I, and I guess it's that sense of having a, a sense that you know with your faith, God knows knew then what was going to happen, and sort of said, you know, it's, you may not like it now, but you'd but later on you'd understand, uh, you know, looking back, and so it's a uh, it's good to be able to reflect and see, yeah, you know what, it, it was hurtful then, but if I had stayed in that, you know, God knows what, what, what life would have turned out to be. Exactly. Perfect. And that's exactly the way it was. It was perfect because God really guided and directed my path. I mean, when I felt like people didn't care, they didn't. It was proven. They didn't care whether I was dead and alive. They never asked about my mother. And me and Teddy used to, Teddy used to eat breakfast at my, my house as a little boy. Dinners, we were close. And Teddy never reached out. When my mother passed away, passed away, I didn't hear from Teddy. Aaron knew all of my family. But Teddy, the most longest, because we were so young together. Yeah. And, and, and if that person was able to go off and didn't care, just because I meet new people don't mean that, oh, I'm just, so I'm very reluctant to really meet new people and all of a sudden bring them into my camp or embrace them. Like, if it happens, it's being known to me. It's got to be something from God. But normally, I'm, re and I've been like that for so many years. I haven't been on social media. I never came out against Teddy and Aaron publicly. Never. And said anything for all these years why is that because i felt like okay listen if that's what they need to live off of fine god has blessed me i'm good yeah every song that they play every song that they put out every song other artists can to do or whatever i have to sign off on it period so if what makes your boat float is to tell these different stories Okay, that's cool with you. Just don't keep telling them about me. And that's what irked me. If you want to tell a different story about the group or how the group was formed or whatever. But when you start talking about how Timmy left the group, how Timmy did this, how Tim Jean told Timmy this, that's bullshit. That didn't, first of all, I wasn't that type of kid. Mm -hmm. I didn't care. Gene was a gangster, but so was my family. I didn't give a fuck about Gene like that. I liked him and loved him because he was that father figure that was fly. Mm -hmm. But I used to yell at Gene. <laughs> As a, I'm 16, 17, said, that sh ain't true. I used to do talk like that. So Gene never smacked me up. Gene ain't never put his hands on me because my family and the crew in my block would have been down on fit in that office. Gene knew it. Teddy knew it. I didn't come from that, oh, just a little kid that wasn't connected. Anybody could get it. it, whether you good or bad, anybody could get it. I never would, and Gene saw that confidence in me even then. So if, what do you do when a person has a group and now you want to take over the group? The first thing anybody do, just like businesses, corporations, whatever, when a takeover comes, you get rid of the old staff. Mm. You bring in your crew. Yeah, Gene had to get rid of me. Because he felt like I had too much influence over Teddy and Aaron, and he was right. I just didn't know they was gonna be that. It was gonna be that easy. Yeah. 
and it but, was easy. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one of the things you, you sort of summarise towards the end is a, very much a, a story of destiny as much as because the gifting to create the songs and the sound and the vision of everything and how it was taken away. But you, you've always maintained that God has been behind you in everything and that if they couldn't have taken it away without him saying, I know what I'm doing for you in the long run. And so that's the, exactly. that's the narrative I've received from listening to your, your whole story is that you had God on your side all this time and he knew what was happening for the bigger purpose for yourself and family and everything. And, and, and that's been amazing to hear as much as you admitted it was tough then, but being able Ooh. to reflect now, or being able to reflect now. Ooh. It was so tough. If it wasn't for my wife, if it wasn't for close friends, if it wasn't for my partner, Alton Wokey Stewart, who I gotta say, they always lift me up. Cause I was still a little damaged, even when I was writing hits. Mm. I was still writing hits for these people. And a lot of times my partner had to say, hey, Tim, shake that shit off. I got you. It was you. Prove it was you. Write these hits. Yeah. And I, and that was, that was part of what brought me through. And my mother and my family, they were like, listen, this, <laughs> I ain't gonna say what they said. <laughs> but anyway, it was like, yo, this is what we do. Yeah. We got it. Yeah. And even though I, I like to move smooth, like I like to move quietly but deadly. I've always been that way. Yeah. I've always been that way. Where you think I, I'm, I'm flashy to a sense of I love to dress. When you see me, I can wear the expensive jewelry, and I could not wear it. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. But when I show up, you know, who is this? And then you find out, oh, this is this person. Why haven't heard from him before? Why haven't done this before? Yeah. And so I've always moved that way. Yeah. So I'm not one to, oh, look at me. Look at my suit. Look at all the music I did. Look at all of this. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've never been that way. So it's all good. Yeah. I mean, as I said, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. It's been a, a great look track back in memory, but it's been inspiring to hear for a lot of people who, if we have setbacks, and it could be tough, you mentioned Joseph, just, you know, if, if you have your faith, really rely on that because it, it you know, I think Donnie McClurkin says that we fall down, but we get up. Can't we we get up. Yeah, and so it's really and inspiring to hear that. He's in a hospital right now, so prayers up for Yeah, Donnie. definitely, definitely. So, sir, I really appreciate your time. You know, Thank you so much, it was a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come, but thanks a lot for watching.